We gather here in a chapel in the midst of a seminary context, a context in which we are very busy studying, reading, thinking of ideas and doctrines and truths, very good things, important things. One of the, a question for us this morning is, but what about people? You can be so focused with ideas, but what about people? How do we see people? What's in our heart towards people? What do we want to do for people? There's an even greater question. How does Christ view how does what is in Christ's heart and what does Christ do towards people he sees? And that's what is shown in our text uh, before us this morning, verse 34. And in, in that text, we see the shepherd's compassion for the shepherdless. Very simply, in his eyes, in his heart, and in his lips, or his mouth. His eyes, his heart, his mouth show his compassion for the shepherdless. This text has come just after verse 31, where Christ said to the disciples, Come apart for a while and rest a while. His compassionate eyes saw all that the disciples had gone through. Earlier in the chapter, you read of how he was rejected in his home country. That was hard. They were sent out two by two, and they preached, and they cast out devils, and they called to repentance. And that also was a beautiful work, but also involved strain and stress. There were the constant coming of the crowds to see the Lord Jesus. And on top of that, they had just heard the report of John the Baptist being beheaded. And just imagine what must have gone through them. And so the Lord Jesus, he saw them, and he also, as a real man, was affected by these things. And he said, let us go apart. They go in the ship. They go across to a desert place where there's not so many people, where they can just be alone and rest. But as they come, Towards the shore, it's not a desert place. There's all these people, thousands of people, and they're looking towards them. And Christ sees them. And how does he see them? With what eyes? Many religious leaders just saw those crowds of people as the ignorant masses. As the Sanhedrin said, these people know not the law, they're cursed. Easily we can look down on others. What do they know? Look at how they live. But Jesus looks differently. Other people just saw others as a nuisance. They're always there, they're always asking, they're always bothering, and if only they were not there and... Too often we can also see other people as a nuisance. Life would be easier if this or that person wasn't there. But how does Christ see them? Not as a nuisance. 
Many people look at others and they actually, they, they don't even really see them. There, of course, there's people around us, and, but it doesn't even really register who those people are. There's just lots of people around. But for the Lord Jesus, those people are not just ones to pay no attention to. No, it says specifically that he saw them. He looked at them. And what did he see? He saw they were as sheep without a shepherd. He saw a fundamental thing about them. Sheep without a shepherd. And what a, what a condition that is to be in. A sheep is not an animal that has great self-defense like other animals. It's so helpless in the midst of wolves or lions. It's not one that can run fast like a deer to escape its danger. It's not one that can care well for itself. It's prone to, to wander, to come into problems, or to come on its back and not be able to get right on its feet again. A sheep is a needy creature that needs a shepherd. And to be without a shepherd is a terrible condition to be in. This is what Jesus sees. Why do they not have a shepherd? Well, we know they're... they're King was no shepherd for them. King Herod had just killed the prophet. That's no shepherd to care for people. Their religious leaders were no true shepherds. They did not let them enter into the kingdom of heaven, the Lord Jesus says. The Lord Jesus pronounces his woe upon these. It's something of the woe of Ezekiel 34, where it says of woe to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought out that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them, and they're scattered, because there is no shepherd. And worst of all, they did not know God their loving shepherd to care for them. Christ saw them and he saw their deep need of being without God, heading for certain death. Brothers, do our eyes look around and see people, also ones like this, it's not just, oh, that's my mechanic and he fixes my car. If he doesn't belong to Christ, what is he? A sheep without a shepherd. <clears throat> Do we see them around us? In the ones that we have contact with? Do we see them in the midst of our families or extended families? Do we see them in the midst of our congregations? Do we see them also in the midst of this world, sometimes our minds just become overwhelmed. If you think of the, the billion-some people in India or the billion-some people in China, you say, how many of them are as sheep without a shepherd? How many in our land are as sheep without a shepherd? Do we see them? 
as such. The Lord Jesus, it, it says in Matthew 9 that he saw they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They fainted because those false shepherds had no true food for their soul. And we can see symptoms of that, can't we? Why is there so much greed and covetousness, people always wanting more? Because they don't have a shepherd, and that's why they can never be satisfied with what they have. Why, in the midst of the smiles that people may paint upon their faces, when they go home and look in the mirror, do they see hollow eyes and a depressed look? It's because they don't have a shepherd. Why is there so much brokenness and division and conflict in our society and in our world? Isn't it because they're not united under this shepherd? Do we see through the symptoms what they really are? Wandering, scattered, endangered, famished, wounded, sick, lost sheep without a shepherd. Do we see them through the eyes of Christ? For what they are. That's so important, isn't it? As we're here. And yes, I know there's the other aspect, feed my sheep, and but today we're focused on this, those without a shepherd. We can't lift ourselves above, above them, can we? We can't just look down on them. We can't just see them as a nuisance. We can't just treat it as normal. If we lift ourselves up above them, then isn't our picture like that older son in the parable of the two sons who didn't understand the mercy, the compassion of God for the lost? Then we even have to ask if we've ever seen ourselves and what we are by nature as sheep without a shepherd. He's speaking of the covenant people here, and yet they did not know their shepherd. It's a question, isn't it? Have we ever, have we, have we seen what a terrible thing it is and how utterly helpless and headed for death we are without the shepherd? And who of us can say that we see clearly enough? Is there anyone? Before this clear-sighted Christ, don't we have to confess so much blindness and so much dimness of sight? Isn't that reason to bow before this Christ and to confess that before Him, the coldness as we look around? and to come before him with it, the one who sees. Isn't that also a reason to, to learn more? That's also what the Word of God does. Think of Ephesians 2, for example. It says, remember what you were. And remembering what you were as children of wrath is what is to lead you to see also those who are still children of wrath with compassion. Christ, who has lifted up his eyes here and saw them without a shepherd, he lives today in order to give that eye salve to see reality 
and to be moved by it. Greater yet, he has a heart filled with compassion. That's why we see not only his eyes, but also his his heart. Notice how it says it. He saw much people and was moved with compassion towards them. Because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. It stirred his loving heart with compassion. Compassion that is concerned for the well-being of others. It's a love that is moved with the suffering and the misery and the need of others. We'll come to the Greek word, but already that English word, compassion, it's that sense of suffering along with others in mercy. And often when we think of compassion, it's the person that is suffering most, and we only feel a little bit of what they're going through. But here it's so different, isn't it? They, it doesn't even seem like many of them realize the great need and misery that they're in. But Christ sees it, and Christ feels it far more than they do. It's in his heart, this compassionate mercy for them. They don't all come burdened with the fact they don't have a shepherd. But he sees it, and he's moved with compassion, and that's why he comes. And that's why he's there. What a Savior. I don't know what's in your heart, or what's lacking in your heart, or my heart. McChain, he says, I do not know what is in your what." It is that your heart loves most, but this I know, that you love to go away from Christ and from God. Christ's eye is on you all, your histories, your hearts. He knows every step you've taken, every sin you've committed, every lust in your heart. His eye is now upon us. And what does he feel when he looks at you? And then McShane says, some will say anger, and some will say revenge. But the Bible says, compassion. It's the tender pity of Jesus. Just that thought, he he sees us with all our sin and all our misery, and he is moved with compassion. He stands in this text as that compassionate Savior, moved by that very compassion to come to this earth, to become a man, to be that only good shepherd of the shepherdless. It's his compassion that moved him to minister. Remember that in Mark 1, there's that leper who comes and bows before him, and he stretches out his hand to touch him because he was moved with compassion. The same word as here, I will be thou clean. It's his compassion that moved him to weep over Jerusalem. It was compassion that moved him to go into the deepest sufferings and death. It was compassion that moved him to take, not just be, to feel a mercy towards those in misery, but to take that misery upon him and into his heart as he offered up his soul as an offering for sin. It was his compassion that so moved him to go forward into the very depths of suffering and agony and the hellish torment that all these sheep without a shepherd deserve. 
his compassion, moved him to rise, to ascend, and to ever live today, to be that shepherd of the shepherdless. His compassion knows no limits. His compassion is incomparable. It is greater than you know. It is the compassion of his heart. That, that word for moved with compassion has a sense of being moved deep within himself, moved in his bowels. It's that profoundest sympathy and concern of his heart. It's this passive verb here which emphasizes what he felt, what he experienced in his heart so deep, not just as a man, but ultimately this is nothing less than divine compassion, for he is God the Son. And he is also the one who is sent by the Father in compassion. Remember Ezekiel 34? There was no shepherd. And what does he say in Ezekiel 34? I will set up one shepherd over them. And here Christ in, Matthew, or in, in Mark 6, he comes, he sees them all as having no shepherd, and he's standing there as the shepherd, like none other, the fulfillment of God's promise. And he is a good shepherd, the beautiful shepherd, filled with a heart of compassion. And is that not the shepherd that you and I can't do without? Ourselves, we're not better than others, are we? As professors, as students. We can only live out of the compassion of this good shepherd. Is it not his compassion that moved him to seek you out? Wherever you were, whether in the church or whether outside the church, whether we all have different backgrounds, don't we? But was it not his compassion that moved him to seek you out and find you as a lost sheep and take you on his shoulders and bring you into his fold and be your shepherd? Is it not his compassion which continues to see you with all your need and all your sin and all your unworthiness and show his faithfulness and his care and his grace by his Spirit. Is that not a compassion? To melt our hearts, to soften our hearts, and to also fill us with a compassion for others who need that shepherd as much as we do. Whoever they are, wherever they are, his compassion to fill our hearts with compassion. It's his compassion that brings us off our comfortable pedestal above others, that humbles us before God, that makes us sit beside lost sheep and say, if he can be my shepherd, he can be yours too. Because I'm no better. I only live by the mercy of a faithful Savior. It's only knowing his heart, this heart of Christ, that we can be pastors according to his heart. 
as Jeremiah 3 promises. To be that, redirected to his heart, his heart of compassion. And then when you see fainting sheep, lonely sheep, crying out for something real, something true, something satisfying, and realize they need Christ, it will move you. Not just inside, but also to desire to do something. And that's our final focus. The shepherd's compassion for the shepherdless shown in his mouth. There's the Lord Jesus. He's weary. Disciples are weary. After all, they've gone through. They've gone seeking rest. And at that place, they see all those people. He sees them for what they are. His heart is moved with compassion. And it moves him to speak. It says, he began to teach them many things. Many things. A long time. To many people. Later we read of around 5,000 men besides women and children. It took effort. But no effort was too much when moved by compassion for those without a shepherd. He speaks. He gives these fainting sheep words. People say words are cheap. Not his words. His words are powerful. His words are life-giving. His words are drawing words. His words bring to himself to know him as a shepherd. His words minister grace. And that's why he brings his word to them. Luke 9 tells us he spoke on that day about the kingdom of God. He spoke about the king of the kingdom. He spoke about the laws of the kingdom. He spoke about the calls of the kingdom. He spoke about the grace of the kingdom. He spoke that gospel, which is so incomparable. Brothers, as we look around, what do those sheep without a shepherd need? Is it not these same words? These words of Christ, the ascended Christ who is in heaven, who gives his word and also calls to speak that word to others out of the conviction that it's the word that God uses to gather sheep into his fold. Now, sometimes we talk about how much the world is changing, and it is. Our society here in America is changing. Yes, it is. But at bottom, the problem is the same as it's always been. There's sheep without a shepherd. And at bottom, the remedy is also the same to Speak that word to them. That's what Christ does, filled with compassion. And that's the calling also. And is that not the desire? To be a means through which Christ himself would speak in the midst of our society, in the midst of our churches, in the midst of our families. Christ would speak through us those words of life, those drawing words. If that is so, then let us see our time in seminary as serving this purpose. Not just to fill our, our minds with ideas 
as important as it is that we study hard, but with a goal, with a purpose, a purpose to be equipped to speak the word of God to Christ's sheep, but also to those who are sheep without a shepherd. Let that goal be in your minds. Let that goal be in our minds as professors. Let that goal be in all our minds. It's to equip, to be able to bring that word to others. And as we do so, let us also pray. Pray even while we are here that God would raise up others as well. Generations go so quickly in seminary. It struck me when I saw those pictures of the graduating classes out in the, by the front hall. You see all those classes. In a matter of three, four years, it's a whole new generation. Here we are in seminary. Pray also that God would raise up others and send them forth so that more would hear the voice of the shepherd. And as we go out and we, we speak to others at a, in a personal level, but also as we begin to speak in the midst of the congregations, let our prayer be for each other and for ourselves that the shepherd would speak through us. How shall we do so? Isn't it only by living as a sheep dependent on this shepherd. A sheep that learns more and more. Without him, I have nothing. He is everything. A sheep without a shepherd is a, a dreadful thought. But this shepherd is a good shepherd. How shall we be ones according to his heart? But in the way of, can I say, opening up our heart with all that's so opposite of his heart before him. And for his grace, his compassion that flows out of his heart to fill us, to fill our eyes, to look and see reality, to fill our hearts with that compassion and to move our mouths to be a mouth through which the Good Shepherd speaks.